Thanks for joining us for today's message. We want to encourage you to stop by NBCOcala.com if you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, or if you would like to support this ministry financially. Today, we're hearing a message from our series, Family Matters. During this series, we are discovering that a healthy relationship with God creates healthy relationships in life. Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, Real quick, before we uh, dive into the message, we wanted to make some resources available to you. And uh, if you go to our webpage, and I I hear the pushback now and then, well, I don't have internet or I don't have a computer or whatever. What if I told you you could win a million dollars if you went online? You'd go to your neighbors, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd find a friend, right? You'd find a way to do it. And this is some very valuable uh, things. Well, I heard there's creepy and bad stuff online. There's also wonderful life-giving. Things. How many of you know you can mis- misuse anything? Yeah. I mean, you, you could misuse butter if you wanted. I mean, you know. Uh, but uh, if you go to our web, our web page and then on the front page, this banner will come across. It's like the second or third banner. Family Matters will come up. Click on that and it'll take you to this page. And then you can watch the video of the, of the last uh, uh, in the series of Family Matters. So right now it has last week's and then like tomorrow to have today's. And then if you go down here, there are three tabs for what is called Right Now Media. Right Now Media. And we have picked out for you about eight or ten uh, videos that address different things that would be very helpful. A um, uh, whole broad range of of topics there that would be very helpful for you. You can do that at your convenience. And uh, some of them are like eight minutes, some are like 20 minutes. And I just think it'd be well worth your while. And and some of the resources we want to get out there because we want to help our families. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and look in in Isaiah chapter 32, uh, verse 17 and 18. Pay real close attention here. It says, and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. My people will abide or dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And this is what God, uh, I believe, wants for our families. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Now, in that verse, we saw that the effect and the result of righteousness brings peace and brings about some very desirable things. So I want you to get this principle off the top. Righteousness brings peace. Righteousness brings peace. How many of you want peace? Amen. Oh, there they are. Okay. So righteousness brings peace. And righteousness here, uh, this word in, in Isaiah actually means right. And I'll go ahead and shoot to the, to the chase. God is right. God is right. His ways are right. And he wants us to do things his way. And that's just not just because he's a bossy God or something. It's because he wants you to do things the way they're designed to work. And, and so you really have your choice to do things God's way or any other way. And so let's do things God's way and righteousness or right brings about peace. Now this word peace here is the Hebrew word and it's familiar to us, the word shalom. Everybody say shalom. And it is not just peace, getting along peace, we're getting along okay peace, uh, or I feel kind of good peace. Uh, it, is, it is a completeness. It's a wholeness. It's kind of this idea. Uh, nothing missing, nothing broken. 
Wouldn't that be wonderful in your life if there was nothing missing and nothing broken? And that's what God is wanting to establish and restore in our life, at least the sense of that, of nothing, nothing missing and nothing broken. Uh, shalom is not just one thing. It, it's multiple things. Um, I illustrated last week, and we'll probably pull these out each week. Shalom is, is like these strands that are formed together, woven together, and they make something that is beautiful, something that is strong, something that is useful. And with this, you can wrap something, you could cover something, you could carry something with this. And so let this fabric represent shalom for us, okay? And when it's all together, all the place, all the things are in the right place and it's woven together, then, then it accomplishes what, what God intended for us. The reality of that, though, is that things happen in our life and we do things in our life that creates rips and tears and snags in the shalom. And uh, did you notice a little something different from last week? We're getting fixed up, y'all. And so hopefully by the end of this series, we're all fixed back up, okay? And uh, the reality, though, would be this, too. You're probably going to rip some more stuff, though. Um, how many of you, your behavior is not perfect yet? Okay, okay. It's, it's the same. It's all of us, you know. But the beautiful thing about this is, you know, we might even shred some things, snag some things, tear some things. But if we'll go back to God's ways, righteousness, it will bring peace. God can, can mend. And, and you know what this actually is? That's something beautiful. That's actually beautiful that instead of just leaving something torn and, and shredded, to uh, return to God's ways and have the help of God so that he can, he can mend the shalom of our lives. Amen? All right. Well, let's continue on here, and hopefully by the end of the series, we'll be all fixed up there. And I, just, I would say to you that if you'll, if you'll begin applying seriously what we present to you each week in this series, you're going you're to see that kind of mending and progress happening. It may take longer than, than five, six weeks, but um, we are on the mend. Say that. We are on the mend. Uh, I need to say again before we go any further um, that, that sometimes what we share out of the word uh, the word might offend you, okay? The Bible and the cross can offend. And it offends in this way, that it runs counter to what I wanted. You know, well, I like doing it this way, and then we, we see the word of God. How many of you, though, have been, quote, offended by the word before, but you're glad that you submitted to the word and the, and the beautiful changes that it, that it brought in your life, Okay. So we're not here to offend, and this is the point I want to make. We're not here to condemn either. This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of grace and truth. And I'll I'll fortify that by saying this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And the son that he sent to save us showed up full of grace and truth. So I think the church of Jesus Christ... It, we're not here to condemn. We're helped to help to save and help to set free and to show you clearly God's ways. But we are going to do that in a manner of grace and truth. Amen? Amen. So I want you to know that. So maybe, uh, I don't know, I don't like what the preacher said. Hey, the preacher's just a delivery boy. Okay, so I'm just backing up God's delivery truck. And I'm going to offload to you. And then I believe that you and the Holy Spirit are going to work this stuff out. Amen? Wow, I got myself off the hook there. <laughs> All right, ground zero for family matters are our homes. And I'm not going to be able to describe and address everybody's home situation and condition 
to a T. I'm going to give you the principles and the overall truths, overarching truths of God's word. And as we take those, that's what's going to help us. But home is, is ground zero for us. That's where families live and grow. And uh, I want to point you to an important principle here. You need to guard the atmosphere and the traffic of your home. Go ahead and read it. Guard the atmosphere and traffic of your home. And we're going to zero in on this whole idea of atmosphere. I believe there's an atmosphere about your home. Um, You know, growing up, there were some of my friends. uh, I go over their house and I love the atmosphere of their home. There are other friends I had I never wanted to go to their home. You know, because there was something about the atmosphere of that. I think all places kind of carry an atmosphere, and I'm not being spooky about that. I just, I just think that there's much uh, to say about that. But you and I, if we're going to have these healthy homes, we must guard the atmosphere and the culture of our homes. Um, what you model, I'll add on to this, what you model in your home and what you tolerate in your home creates the atmosphere It also creates the culture of your home. For example, in my home, raising five kids and so forth, um, and we've not done it perfectly, um, but God has helped us, and, and, um, you know, I'm thankful for the shalom fabric of our home. And it's it's got a lot of stitches in it. How about you, you know? But But it's a beautiful thing. But we've learned a lot along the way as well. And what you... What you model and what you tolerate in your home has a lot to do with how you create that atmosphere and culture of your home. Um, there are some things that would show up on TV that kind of would shock us. And I would say in front of my children, we don't say that. We don't say that. So it's what I would tolerate, what I would model. Um, you cannot play in your home. Don't do as I do, do as I say. That does not work. You know, it's what you model and it's what you tolerate is going to help to create both the atmosphere and the culture of your home. So very, very important kind of thing. What kind of atmosphere do we want? We want to have an atmosphere that is healthy. Everybody say healthy. Because there's people living and growing there. And we want them to end up to be happy and stable and fruitful and blessed in their life. And, and it ha- we have to be intentional uh, about how we do this. Essentially, there are two Uh, And I'm oversimplifying here, but there are two brands of atmosphere that we could have in our home. The first one would be this. It would be strife. Strife. Everybody say strife. And strife is, here's a little definition for you. It's the manifest presence of the enemy. Strife is the manifest presence of the enemy. We do not want this, but sometimes that gets into our homes. I don't think that's anybody's dream and desire. And we're going to get married and we're going to get a house and then we're going to be really, really strifey. You know, I really don't think that was the goal. But there are times, how many of you know, even when you try your best, strife gets into the home. You know, a year or two ago, it was one of those spring mornings. We had the, the windows open and our neighbor decided to burn, um, you know, leaves and twigs and stuff. And just the way the wind went, it came right into our home. And, you know, I didn't want that. And uh, it's like, <clears throat> I'm coughing in my own home. So I went and I stood up over the fence and I said, Sally, you're killing us, you know, uh, because of burning and so forth. There are a lot of different ways that strife can get into our homes. One of the biggies, you ready for this? Selfishness. Selfishness. Whenever somebody gets selfish and stubborn about that selfishness, I promise you there'll be strife. And you don't want to live with strife in your home. You can almost feel the enzymes in your, in your stomach and 
you know, lungs not operating to, to full depth just because of strife. It is not healthy uh, for any of us to live in strife. The other atmosphere and the one that we're after is peace. Everybody say peace. And let me define it this way. It's the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. And I, and I believe that when we set apart our atmosphere in our home for God and we endeavor with all that we can, we won't ever be perfect at it, but we endeavor with all we can and as much consistency as we can to do things in God's way, we're going to have that shalom peace in our homes. Probably one of the greatest uh, contributors, uh, determining factors to the atmosphere of our homes would be this. It would be words. Everybody say words. And so we're going to talk about words today. We're going to talk about our conversation, our communication skills, and even declarations that we make concerning our family uh, and and our homes. Um, Again, atmospheres. Words create atmospheres. They impact our atmospheres uh, in incredible ways. Uh, Do you remember going to grandma's house and she cooked all the stuff, you know, and just you could smell there's just something in the atmosphere. We want to make sure we have more of that. And how many of you do realize I'm not actually talking about the smell of your home? Okay. It's just kind of metaphor there. Uh, But some of y'all are burning trash indoors, you know, and and so we've got to kind of clear that out. Um, I remember hearing a minister years and years ago talk about he and his wife went to visit this, this couple at their home. And when they got to the home, uh, the couple invited the pastor and his wife in and said, just be seated. We'll be back, back with you in a moment. And as they sat there, the pastor turned to his wife and he says, harsh words have been spoken here. And I think things like harsh words linger. And I think words that are peaceful and loving and life-giving, I think they linger. And so we want to make sure that we we have the atmosphere, be very intentional about having the atmosphere that we want to have. And again, words are going to play a big role in this. Look at this in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Read that with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So uh, death and strife or life and peace, what do we want in the atmosphere of our home? It is in the power of the tongue. The words that we speak, they are a gift or they are poison. And we want to make sure that we're actually passing out life, that we're emitting life, so to speak, into the atmospheres of our homes. What did our mom tell all of us? If you can't say... You got it. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. It's a momism. I got a few other ones too here. Mom always said, always wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident. (laughs) Or my mom, I hope someday you have children just like you. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Look at me when I'm talking to you. My mom said this a lot. Look at this room. It looks like a cyclone has hit it. Now come back downstairs and go back up without stomping your feet. How many of you are glad your parents didn't have a security camera around the corner after after you got... And here's one other one. Say that again and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. And my mom didn't threaten on that one. She did that one, you know. But but the takeaway from our mom-isms this morning is if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But I want to take it a little bit further, though. This is not just about don't cuss, don't fuss, don't yell. 
It's not about what we're not supposed to say. I believe it also there's some things that should be said and need to be said that we, we need to be a little more deliberate about the words that we speak. Quickly here, and I'm not, I'm not going to um, spend a lot of time on this passage. Perhaps we'll come back to this in the weeks to come. But look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall, notice, teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, what I want to point out to you is this. There's certain things that we're to have in our heart. And how many of you know that Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. So we need to make sure that we have some good things in our, in our, in our heart. Okay? But I think... This is important, and out of this passage, major passage of importance in the scripture concerning our families is this, that we need to, when we get up and when we're walking around the house, that's right out of the verse, and when we lie down and when we get back up again, we need to talk and we need to teach about a living God in our life. I don't think it's lecture. I remember when my my family all became Christians, born again, I'm I'm in the sixth grade now, and my, my stepdad uh, would call us out early before he went to work. And he was just kind of gruff about it. We were learning. And uh, this morning we're going to do family devotions from Leviticus. Sit up, shut up, and pay attention. <laughs> now, how many of that makes you real excited about the things of God, you know? And n- not at all, okay? I don't think it's lecture. I think it's lifestyle. And that we're... We're praying throughout the day. There should be some time for family altar and encouraging people to, you know, spend time in God's word and devotions. Every Christmas, I buy devotionals for my kids, for all of them, so that they've got something that they can go, go through that just takes a few moments to help them keep their mind on God. But I think as, as you as a believer, as a representative of God and his kingdom in your home, I think that you need to talk regularly. Not Don't be religious and weird. But just talk about, you know, hey, we're trusting God for this. And, hey, God really blessed us with this. I mean, anybody in your home needs to know that you're serving a God who is active in your life. And I think it's important that that shows up even, even in our words. Now, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But he who prophesies, everybody say prophesies. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, this right here and in this context in 1 Corinthians is actually one of the spiritual gifts. And I'm not really discussing that this morning. I just want to refer to it this morning in this way. This this word actually means, and I'm not reducing the spiritual gift at all, okay? This is vital for us. But this gift, spiritual gift of prophecy here, means this, to speak under inspiration. To speak under inspiration. This is not to foretell the future, but it's just that your speech is inspired. And so when we're preaching and teaching, God will just kind of kick in now and then. I can feel it. I, I, I see you respond to it when that really happens. And what happens in those moments is God is inspiring a thought. He's inspiring something and adding his breath and, and, and emphasis to that. Well, if speech, don't we want all of our speech to be inspired? 
Actually, all your speech is inspired. But by what? And so in our homes, I think it would be awesome if we had speech that was inspired by God. And when that happens, here's what will happen. This will be the outcome of this. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is where you build up and you strengthen and you help somebody to grow. Exhortation is to encourage somebody, to cheer them on. I think it also means to give advice or give a steer too. Have you ever heard verbiage like this? Well, let me encourage you to not do that anymore. Or let me encourage you to try a little harder or check this out kind of thing. So, and again, it's a very positive thing. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And our words should also comfort one another. They should console one another. It should bring uh, reassurance to people and just kind of cheer them up as well. I think this should be part of the words that we're speaking in our home as well. I want to caution you. Let me just give you a, a couple practical things here. I want to caution you on your tone. I mean, even know that tone matters. Let me caution you on your volume. Look at this in Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I think tone and volume are very important things. And let me throw this in too. Stop interrupting. When we interrupt one another, uh, now we had to interrupt my grandson the other day, Gavin, because he was telling us the never-ending story. <laughs> and it kept going and going, and then he'd wind down and he'd just catch his breath, and not just catch his breath, like, <gasps> and then back into the story, you know, <laughs> just going on. And it was an incredible story, unbelievable story, <laughs> unending story. So, you know, we did try to break that up. But when you're having conversation with, with people with real hearts and real souls and in your home and you're after peace in your home, don't interrupt all the time. And let me tell you what interruption, when you interrupt somebody, what you're actually saying to them. You're saying, my thought and what I want to say is so superior to your babbling that I must stop you from speaking right now. And you say, well, pastor, I wasn't really meaning all that, but that's what you say to somebody. It's like your thought means nothing. Listen to my thought. And, and so let's work a little bit on the rhythm of that in our homes. Because whether you know it or not, whether you even fully recognize what you felt in that moment when you get interrupted, it does bring some damage to you. And we do not want to pull against the fabric of shalom. Look at this in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We want to make sure that our words are a blessing to the people around us. It's not just what we don't say. It's what we say. There needs to be a lot of, I love you. There needs to be, I'm sorry. There needs to be, I forgive you. There needs to be, thank you. There needs to be, I'm proud of you. Let me encourage you. Yeah. You'd be surprised the adults that I talked to that never heard those things. That, that never heard, I'm proud of you. That never heard, I love you. They never heard from their parents, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that right. Alicia and I learned that early to just get down on their level and say, Daddy did not handle that right. You know, and, and humility releases grace. We need to make sure that our words build up or we should hush up because if you're not building up, you're tearing down. If and when you confront or correct somebody, make sure you do it in love, not in anger. Make sure that we listen. Talk about goals and hopes and dreams and needs. 
And remember that when you talk about something, timing is kind of important. So I've got a little video here I want to show you, and this, uh, this may help us a little bit on uh, understanding some things about communication. Go ahead. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail... See, you're not now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And all my sweaters are snapped. I mean, all of them. Communication's tough. I'm not even going to get into the differences between men and women today in communication. But I believe that God can help us with our communication and our words. In the last few moments, I want to talk to you about declaration. Everybody say declaration. This is huge as well. Look with me in Luke chapter 10, verse 5. But whatever house, say my house, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Go ahead and make that declaration with me. Peace to this house. Do it one more time. Peace to this house. I'm not telling you have to do this or that you have to do it even the way that I do it. But for about, I don't know, 16, 17 years now, I mean, it was just something the Lord put in my heart. Every time I, I enter or leave my house, pulling in my driveway, backing out of my driveway, every time. And I will interrupt for this, but they know I'll be right back. You know, they're talking or whatever, I will speak over them and I just, I don't, I'm not loud, I'm not rude, I'm not religious about it. It's just peace to this house. For me, it's almost like pronouncing everything that I want for my house. I don't feel like my house is secure and safe until I do that. It's not a superstitious thing. It's something that I do in faith. Peace to this house. And however you want to do that, I just believe that you can declare it in morning prayer if you want or whatever you want to do, but declare Declare some things concerning your home. Look at this also in the other Gospels here. I believe this is in in Matthew chapter 10. And when you go into a household, and let me point out to you that household here in the Greek is figurative and literal, okay? So it's it's literal in that it's a house or household. It's figurative and it represents all the people that are there. When you go into a household, what does it say? Greet what? Greet it. I think you greet the household literally and you greet the household figuratively, the people that are, that are there. And what's the end of this verse here? And if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Either way, you do not lose your peace. 
And I, I think that there's something that we can do that we declare to our homes. Now, listen, you need to make a commitment. You need to make a, a commitment to your communication in your house and catch yourself. And I pray the Holy Spirit will catch you. That in those moments where you miscommunicate, where you are working against the actual fabric of shalom for your, for your home, that you would catch yourself and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I go ahead and tell you this? Some of you have 20, 30, 40 year habits and patterns of communicating in wrong ways that do not help, but actually hurt the peace of your home. And you know what? It's time. It's just time that we allow the peace of God and cooperate the best way we can because that atmosphere is absolutely so vital. And one of the biggest contributing factors to what makes that atmosphere is our words and not just our conversation. I believe also our declarations. Let me share this verse with you and then I want to do a declaration over your home today. In Psalm 19, verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's go ahead and and, uh, get Psalm 141 as well. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Look at me. Your words matter. Your words matter. And and maybe no one else in your family has told you that your words hurt or help. But they do hurt. They can hurt. And they also can help. And it's all of our responsibility to make sure that we're using our words to build people up and help to either bring or mend shalom in our homes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?